Good morning. Can you hear me? Today is Christ the King Sunday. This is the last Sunday of the church year. And next week, we will begin a new year with the start of the Advent season. Each year follows the same rhythm. We start in Advent by waiting for and anticipating the coming of Christ. We then celebrate in Christmas when the Almighty God, creator of the world, chose to come among his creation and walk the earth as a human being. In the season of Epiphany, we celebrate the ways that Jesus demonstrated his divinity during his life, including the coming of the Magi, who were led by God to celebrate his birth. Jesus' baptism, where the Spirit descended on him like a dove, and the wedding feast at Cana, where he performed his first miracle, turning water into wine. Then comes the season of Lent, where we prepare ourselves through penitence and simplicity for Holy Week, where we commemorate the last days of Jesus' life, where he sacrifices himself as the Paschal Lamb so we might be saved. And then rising again at Easter, we celebrate Jesus defeating death and the grave. The Feast of the Ascension and Pentecost follow as we remember when Jesus ascended into heaven following his resurrection and when God gave the Holy Spirit to the church. After that, we have months of Pentecost, also called ordinary time. This is the time most like the current time, where the church is figuring out how to follow Jesus in this period between his ascension and his coming again. As this season ends, we celebrate Christ the King, anticipating the time to come when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. In the readings for today, we have several beautiful and compelling images of Jesus, our King. Each image teaches us about the nature of Jesus' kingship and why someone might want to follow this king. I will focus today on two images, Jesus as the shepherd king and Jesus as the crucified king. So first, in the Jeremiah passage, we see a familiar image of God as a shepherd. Unlike the human leaders of Israel who were negligent and scattered the sheep, God says that God himself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. And those sheep shall not fear or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing. I love this image of God's tender love. The creator of the world is saying that he loves each person so much that it is inexcusable for any to have been forgotten or led astray. To remedy the problem, God himself will be the shepherd and will usher in a new creation where the flock will be fruitful and multiply 
echoing the language of God at the beginning of creation. In Jesus' ministry, he describes himself as the good shepherd. God himself come to gather in the sheep. A shepherd is an interesting image of a king because it is lowly and intimate. Those of us who have been Christians for a while may have grown so accustomed to hearing of Jesus as a shepherd and Jesus as the king that we might miss this. So indulge me for a second. Close your eyes and imagine a regal king. And Jesus is the king of kings, so now take it up a notch. Very extravagant. Imagine an ermine cape and silk robes, elaborate jewels. And now that you have that image in your head, imagine that this king is in a smelly field filled with sheep droppings, climbing over a bramble to bring back a rogue sheep. So you can open your eyes now. <laughs> As you can see, Jesus' kingship is a bit different from what we normally think of. While Jesus is the king, the all-powerful God, Jesus doesn't just sit on a throne. Jesus loves us so much that he will go into the muck to bring us back to safety. The second image of Jesus' kingship is even more striking. The Gospel passage depicts Jesus' kingship through his crucifixion. In the passage, we learn of Jesus as king through the mockery of those around him. The irony is that while the people have the intent of deepening his suffering through their taunts, it is through their words that God's truth is revealed. First, the leaders of the crowd say, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. Then the Roman soldiers mock him, saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Even the sign over him described him as the king of the Jews. And the man who is being crucified next to him said, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. They were mocking because they had expected the Messiah, or the king, to act in particular ways. They had expected him to have certain decorum, to interact at the highest echelons of society. They had expected a king to act with military might, overthrowing the Roman power occupying Israel. They had expected a king who reigned from a throne. Instead, God had revealed his kingship through Jesus. Instead of limiting his interactions to the structures of society at the time, Jesus shared meals equally with the religious leaders and with those who were outcasts, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and the Gentiles. Instead of acting with military might against Rome, he was being executed by Rome alongside criminals. And instead of reigning from a throne, Jesus reigned first from the cross, where, as we will pray later in this service, 
he stretched out his arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that all might come within the reach of his saving embrace. This moment shows the kind of king that God gave us in Christ. Jesus is the kind of king who knows our suffering. Rather than ruling from a self-enclosed castle, like human monarchs who know little of the daily challenges of the people they rule, Jesus came down from heaven to walk alongside us in life and in death in order to lead us into new life. Jesus' crucifixion is God's act of redemption and restoration for humanity. Jesus demonstrates forgiveness even while he is being unjustly executed. While he is being killed, he is praying for his executioners and for those who are cheering them on, asking that God forgive them. One of the men being crucified next to him, described only as a criminal, says to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus, in that moment, grants him the request, pardoning him of sin and welcoming him into the kingdom of God. In many ways, we are like that criminal. We are no better or worse than that man in the eyes of Jesus. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But through God's grace, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through the blood of his cross. God is the shepherd who tenderly guides us and welcomes us into his loving flock, and he is the means of reconciliation through the cross so that we can all be with him in paradise. All it took from the criminal was to acknowledge the sinful deeds he had committed and to turn to Jesus. In his dying moments, he acknowledged Jesus as king. May we also do this before our last moment and recognize daily our repentance, as we did earlier in the service, and turning towards Christ to be saved. During communion, we will have the opportunity to sing those same words. Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. May that be our prayer. May we also repent of our sins and acknowledge Jesus as the one true King. Amen. Amen.